welcome to church. Glad you're with us. Uh, if you have a copy of the scriptures, will you join me in Acts chapter 2? We're continuing to study our way through the book of Acts and uh, hope you brought a copy of the scriptures with you. Um, I feel like it would be appropriate to say, Buenos dias. Some of you have no idea what I said. That's okay. I'm not even sure I said it right, but I'm just keep trying to practice. Uh, we had 10 of us just get back uh, early this morning uh, from Guatemala. I think we've got a picture of the 10 of us that went uh, to Aselsi. We have two different uh, outreach partners there in Guatemala. We had a tremendous time. I think everybody else on the team is sleeping. Suckers. Um... We had a great, great trip over the next uh, several weeks. You'll hear not only on social media, some different things that we'll be sharing throughout our services. We had a, just a tremendous time and do want to say thank you for those of you that, that give generously here at Faith Church week in and week out. Um, because of you and your generosity, we're able to do things like that and do the projects that we did down there and uh, did some over and above things while we were there, saw some new needs, took care of those financially, and we're able to be just a huge blessing in so many ways. We had a ton of fun. I do need you to realize that your pastor's mustache is famous in two countries now. Uh, take a look at this next one. These kids were just absolutely uh, taken back. I, I don't know what else to say. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a phenomenon catching on worldwide. So uh, come on with it. Right, John? That's what I'm talking about. My man over there. Oh, we're going to have a good time today. I want to say thanks to Pastor Clayton. He brought a great message last week on the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, we're going to continue in our study. Acts chapter 2 is where we're going to be. Now, I'm going to read verse 14 through verse 40. And it's a little bit lengthy, but it's going to set up a conversation today that's very, very important for us to hear. And uh, how many of you know it's okay to read the Bible in church? Okay, if you weren't sure, I just want you to know it's okay that we read some scripture. And uh, I want you to listen as I read. And if you have a printed copy, there might be some words or phrases that just stand out to you, that kind of catch your attention. I want to encourage you to underline those and so that you can go back and meditate on those things on your own. Acts chapter 2 verse 14 says this, Then Peter stepped forward with the eleven other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. 9 p.m. on the other hand, you might have an argument. But it's too early for that, he says. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. He goes on to quote Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Somebody say all. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see vision. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days I will pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and clouds and smoke. The sun will become dark. The moon will turn blood red and great before the great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But... Everyone 
who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. People of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew what would happen, and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life. For death could not keep him in its grip. And the church said, Amen. King David said this about him. I see that the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and my tongue shouts his praise. My body rests in hope for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You have shown me the way of life and you will fill me with the joy of your presence. Oh, dear brothers, think about this. You can be sure that the patriarch David wasn't referring to himself For he died and was buried, and his tomb is still here among us. But he was a prophet, and he knew God had promised with an oath that one of David's own descendants would sit on his throne. David was looking into the future and speaking of the Messiah's resurrection. He was saying that God would not leave him among the dead or allow his body to rot in the grave. God raised Jesus from the dead. And we are witnesses of this. Now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven. At God's right hand. And the father as he had promised gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us. Just as you see and hear today. For David himself Never ascended into heaven, yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierce their hearts. And they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is To you, to your children, and to all those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your words here through Peter and the Holy Spirit to us today. 
Lord, may we have ears to hear, eyes to see. And like those who heard the words for the first time, may it pierce our hearts. Lord, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Now, let me set the scene for you. If you remember from last week, the day of Pentecost had fully come. They were there on that day. The Holy Spirit showed up in a real way. And there were some things happening. And the people all around were pretty amazed. They were astonished. They were wondering what was happening. And they were pretty sure something crazy was going on. That maybe, just maybe, Peter and the disciples had gotten into Grandma's special brew. And they weren't really sure what was happening. They thought it was a little crazy. They weren't sure. And they had some questions about it all. And what we see from Peter is the picture of a life that has been emboldened by the Holy Spirit to witness of the story of the resurrected Christ. Peter stood up and demonstrated, lived out a life empowered and filled to overflowing with the gift promised by Jesus, the person of the Holy Spirit. And the people could see it, And they could hear it. For those of you who have put your faith and allegiance in Jesus and have asked to receive the gift of the Spirit and you've walked through the waters of baptism and made your repentance, do people hear and see the working of the Spirit in your life? Or do you just sound just like everybody else? What is the formation and the transformation occurring in your life that is moving you closer to look like Jesus, that is emboldening you to live an embodied witness in your world? Can it be seen and heard in you? What's been the change that the Holy Spirit has done in your life, in your heart, since the day the words of God pierced your heart for the first time. Think back for a second. Now, I don't say that in a condemning way. Actually, I'm asking you to stop and think back on your life, and I hope that you will discover there's actually been more progress than what you thought. See, it's really hard to notice the progress in you. It's a lot easier when other people around you notice the progress in you. It's almost impossible to see it in yourself. It's really, though, when people start talking to you about, hey, I've noticed this about you. I've seen this in you. You're looking different. There's something more radiant about who you are. I think one of the comments we heard so often on our trip in Guatemala about our team from the locals and the missionaries is, Man, people just keep telling us that you all are so joyful. I think joy is a mark of the presence of God in our lives. Joy is a mark of the Spirit in our lives. Joy is evident to those who are radiant with the life of the Spirit in them. And I think that's a beautiful thing that we see. Peter was doing something Uh, emboldened by the Spirit to be an enlivened witness. Peter was what I like to call gospeling superbly. 
gospeling. It's not really a word, but I made it one today. It's kind of like Google. You can make up your own words if you say it enough and have cool enough marketing. People start turning words that you make up into verbs, like Google it. It's time to be gospeling people. In fact, that's what I want to talk to you today about. How can we, like Peter, not only receive of the life of the Spirit, but become gospeling people in a good way, in a superb way, in an enlivened, emboldened, empowered way. Now, when we talk about gospeling, what we're really talking about is evangelizing, declaring good news. In the Greek, there's a word, euangelion, which is where we get our word evangel or evangelize. It's, it's to bring good tidings to people. It's at its root where we would get our word for angel or messenger. It's the same kind of linked words where we hear the word evangelize or evangelism. We're just simply talking about being people who bring a message of glad tidings to other people. And this is what Peter is doing. He's using the words of God and using the life of Jesus to bring good news to those around him. Now, it might seem odd to you and me that Peter would just stand up in the public and start talking like, that's a little weird. Those are the people that you avoid when you see them on the street corner. Like, I don't know about those guys. They've got signs and bullhorns and they, I'm just, nope, 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 not today. Just keep walking, dear. Don't make eye contact. Don't make eye contact. Just keep walking. Just keep walking. Really, it seems odd to us that Peter would just interrupt the world and be like, hey, excuse me, excuse me. I need to make an announcement, please. Except it's actually a very common practice in the ancient Near East at this time. Often, there would be a herald or a messenger on behalf of an authority figure and would come to the town square and would say something like, hear ye, hear ye, and would declare a message on behalf of someone else. It was very common. The Apostle Paul would do this often. He would go to town synagogues and squares and begin to debate and rhetorically ask questions to get people to think. Street performers were a common thing. Jesus did this. Jesus would walk and as he walked, he would teach people. And as he would teach and be talking, there would be more crowds that would gather. And others would gather around. And more would come gather in. And they would gather around and listen to a teacher teach. This was rabbi stuff. It was normal for a rabbi to go and sit somewhere public and just begin teaching those who were nearby. And then crowds would begin to form. Peter was not doing something wild. He was not doing something crazy. He was not doing something um, abnormal or obnoxious. He was doing a normal, common practice. And within that method presented some good news and explained some things that people needed to hear. Friends, telling others about your faith in Jesus is not weird, abnormal, and we are all called by Jesus to be a witness of him in our world. This is what it means to be a bearer of the image of God. 
to be someone who represents the life of the Spirit, the life of God in the world in which you live. You're called to live out the message as a living witness emboldened by the life of the Spirit to bring good news to those around you, to be a living testimony of the things that people can see and hear because Jesus is changing who you are. The question is, how do we be a witness in, in a good way? How do we be a gospeling people in a productive, healthy, holistic, right way? How do we leverage the cultural norms of our day, like Peter did, to be people who live out a faithful witness of the resurrected Messiah. This is what we are called to do. This is why the Spirit is given to us. This is part of the main reason why you have been given this great gift of the person of the Holy Spirit. I want to make a few observations of what Peter did that I think will help us become a gospeling people. Again, I made up the word. I'm going to keep using it. And so I hope it all catches on. Hashtag gospeling people. How do we gospel well? How do we declare and share the good news well? How do we do that? Number one, what Peter did was Peter was aware of the stirrings that were already around him. Notice he didn't go stir the pot. He didn't just jump into the chat on Facebook and like Jesus juke everybody and like make everybody feel guilty about something. He didn't play the devil's advocate to start an argument about some conspiracy theory that he was pretty sure happened. He, he didn't stir the pot. No, he was aware of the stirring already happening in the people around him. What are the questions that people in your circle are asking of a spiritual nature? What are the questions that are coming about as people wrestle with the reality of our world today? Not people in general, people whom know your name, people who have your phone number and are talking to you, people who are, are, are overrun with grief in their life, people who are struggling in a financial reality, people who are feeling estranged from some family members and relationships. What, what are the stirrings of their heart? Again, to be a gospeling people who are emboldened by the Spirit, it doesn't mean we go in a braggadocious, narrow-minded, bigoted, angry, frustrated, agenda-driven. What are some other good words to use in this scenario? Uh, uh, we, we don't do those. We're not just going to go goad somebody and stir up the pot, trying to trick them into realizing how stupid they are as they live their life in an unholy manner. It's not the point. Pay attention to how the Spirit is already at work in someone's life. Where's the soil already stirring and getting soft in someone's heart? Oh, and then go in there. What are the things that people are wrestling with in, in your world? 
Help them see how Jesus changes that. Help them see how hope can be found in the midst of those things. Help them understand how the resurrected Messiah impacts that in their life. Help them hear and know the truth that you have found. You don't need to go stir the pot, but you do need to be aware of the stirrings around you. Here's the second thing I think Peter did really well. As a gospeling person, Peter stepped forward in response. He didn't start the conversation, but rather he engaged the conversation. (laughs) Peter just stepped forward in a response to a conversation that was happening. He didn't cold call. He didn't show up on a bicycle and a tie acting like a vacuum salesman knocking on the door, interrupting their world. Amen. He didn't do those things. He just stepped forward out of a response to something uh, based on a conversation that he was being invited into. He didn't go cold calling, knocking on the door to start. He stepped into the conversation with boldness. Absolutely. He stepped into the conversation with some scriptural truths and awareness. He did it with boldness, with kindness, with truth, with grace, with eloquence. He did it with all those things, but he didn't start it on his own. He didn't interrupt their world and their time and their life to to kind of cold call knocking on the door. uh, I've grown up in the church. And when I say grown up in the church, I mean like I've grown up in the church. Like I've I've been on missions trips since I was about eight years old. I've been praying in tongues since I was about six years old. I preached my first message when I was 10 years old. I grew up in the church. I've been on witnessing extravaganzas since a young age where we would go knock on doors and ask people, hi, how are you today? Can I just ask you one quick question? If you died tonight, where would you go? Like, I've been there, done that, don't ever want to do it again. I, uh, I remember sitting in Starbucks one time with a friend, and we were having a, a real serious conversation about some things the Lord was doing. We had our Bibles out, and um, I don't know what it is about people of a certain um, stage of life that, like, feel that it's okay to just go interrupt everyone else's conversation uninvitedly. We're sitting there having a conversation about Jesus and growing in him. And this gentleman walks up. And again, we're not making eye contact with him. There was nothing about our body language that says, oh, please, sir, come share your wisdom and experience and tell us how wrong we are for using this particular version of the Bible in front of us. But that's what he did. Bless his heart. Literally interrupted the conversation and says, oh yeah, hey guys, tell me what this verse says in your version there. And we were like trying not to be rude, but like the unsanctified hood version of your pastor about showed up. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm saved, but I'm not oversaved. I could, I got words to still use sometimes. I got to like filter, Right? But he did, he interrupted, and he tried to, 
go and like ask very leading questions because he had an agenda for the conversation. He really didn't care anything about who we were, what we were up to, and he certainly had no idea that I already had been in ministry for about 13 years up at this point in time in my life. But he proceeded to try to convince us that there was only one correct version of the Bible, which had he been able to read the room, perhaps he would have realized not only you're interrupting, not only are you stirring some stuff up, but I'm not changing my mind, bruh. I'm pretty convinced on some things. Thank you, but no thank you. Missed it. I think sometimes it's behaviors and actions like that that cause Christians to get tuned out to the people who are asking sincere questions. You guys remember uh, gospel tracks? Some of you are like, oh yeah, I carry them around all the time. You might want to tune out for the next few minutes. I can't, I, I uh, sorry, I only got about three hours of sleep last night, <clears throat> two and a half, not sure what's going to come out of my mouth today. Half a cup of coffee, that's all I'm running on right now. I, I really am not a fan of gospel tracks, especially the ones that look like a hundred dollar bill that cheap people who claim the name of Jesus leave for tips at restaurants instead of real money. You want to get me started? That hood, unsanctified part of your pastor will come out. People would leave these everywhere thinking it was smart and clever, and I get it. We, we were looking for a tool to make it easy. We want to put something in somebody's hand. I, I understand the heart behind it. I just think it's not a good method. I remember uh, coming home, uh, actually on my way home, from a 6 a.m. men's prayer meeting. 6 a.m., we have a hard time getting many of you to show up to a prayer meeting at 7 p.m. once a month. 6 a.m., we were praying. I needed gas in my car, stopped to get gas in my car. And uh, I'm pumping the gas, and I look up, and I notice this, like, pamphlet. And I pulled the pamphlet up, and it was another one of those gospel tracks. Did you know that you're going to hell unless you love Jesus, unless you've repented? And it tries to follow the Romans road and convince somebody in a pamphlet form whom they do not know about um, Jesus and how they need to trust him as their savior. And all good truths. It's true. People need to know those things. I'm not saying they don't. I'm just saying we need to be more responsive in a conversation and not be cold calling, uh, hijacking people like ninja assassins trying to attack people who aren't really ready to hear the message yet. Requires a little bit of skill and tact. And I'm sitting there reading this and thinking to myself, man, this is really rough representation. Like, I'm not saying God hasn't used those and people haven't found Jesus in that way. I'm just saying I think there are better ways. So I was looking at it and reading it, and I noticed that on every pump in the gas station, somebody had put these tracks. I'm pretty sure that's called vandalism, but I could be wrong. So I took it, and I did the holy thing. I threw it away. Now, I know some of you are already thinking, I, I don't like this story. This is terrible. I can't believe you would do that. Like, we're just... That's what the guy in the pump next to me thought, too. 
and he assumed I was going to hell. Because he came up and gave me a different gospel track. <laughs> because the first one apparently didn't work. Again, I'd been in full-time ministry for a lot of years at this point. Witnessed. Had people follow Jesus. I am all about creatively communicating the gospel to people. It's one of my life's missions. I love it. I am, I am consumed with that in my life. I'm continually looking for ways to help people understand the truth of Jesus. I'm all in on those things. I just... And he then began to, you know, as we would do, hey, just quick, quick question. Do you know uh, if you died tonight, if you'd go to heaven? His opening line, not his name, not how are you, not my name. Hey, do you know you're on your way to hell unless you change your thoughts? That was the subtext. And I said, yes, sir. I'll be in heaven with Jesus. Well, how do you know that? I said, because he's the treasure of my life. And I have a rich relationship with him. And I'm helping others follow him too. He had no idea what to say. He was not expecting that. <laughs> and he says, oh, 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 all right, have a good day. I was like, you too, be blessed. <laughs> Friends, I want people to know Jesus. I want to be someone who is so living on brand to the kingdom of God. I want to be someone who lives on mission and accurately representing the message of who Jesus is to the world around me. And I want our church to be people who are gospeling people, who are radiant with the joy of the Lord because they are in the presence of God in their own time and personal lives. I want people to be able to see and hear that something is different about you and they get inquisitive about your life rather than you interrupting their life trying to point out how wrong their life is. I told you I've been doing this for a long time. And when I was in Bible school, they had us do these uh, witnessing exercises. So when people say witnessing and sharing your faith and evangelism, these are the things that were my context. I remember being about 19 years old and they had us in a van and we were about to go to the mall in Tulsa. And uh, he turns around and, and our director says, hey, here's the deal. Uh, Jesus is returning in one hour. Everyone in this mall who doesn't have a relationship with him will burn in hell. Ready, go. And like the adrenaline kicks in. You're like, oh my gosh, I don't want anybody to get to hell. I don't want anybody. And so like we are running around in almost a panic from store to store, covering up stuff in Amber Crombie and Fitch. Please don't look at this. You will burn in hell. Like we're just like, just... That was a bit of an exaggeration. I didn't quite do that. I thought about it, but I didn't. But you know what I did do? After about 30 minutes of that, and having helped zero people come to Jesus, I thought, you know what? I need to pull a Peter. So I go to the food court. There are probably about 200 and some people in this food court. I stand up on a table that doesn't belong to me, and someone after me, who, if it doesn't get cleaned, are going to eat off of. And I whistle really loud. <laughs> and I begin to try and convince 
everyone eating food court Chinese, Chick-fil-A, and Taco Bell, that they need a savior. Do you know how many people repented that day? How many people had their hearts pierced that day? Zero. <laughs> Peter did not, did not interrupt conversations. He didn't start conversations out of nowhere with gotcha statements. Peter just stepped forward and responded full of the spirit to the conversations that others were engaging him in. You want to know how many people in my life who have come to faith in Jesus or begun to follow Jesus through the years, every single one has come just because in the midst of conversations, I was aware of their stirrings and Conversations were already going and I just stepped into them and spoke some truth about Jesus. Friends, gospeling doesn't have to be complicated. Doesn't require some extroverted skills. Doesn't require a bullhorn, signs, t-shirts, hats, and Facebook memes. It requires a rich, living relationship with Jesus and from that overflow of your life lived in love with him the Holy Spirit at work in your life will lead you into conversations that people around you are having and you can with the boldness of the Spirit step in as a witness to the story and message of Jesus you don't have to shy away from it you have to be ready for it. You have to be filled with the power of the Spirit and move into it. Third thing Peter did, Peter told the story of Jesus through the scriptures that they already knew. Peter used the scriptures that he knew that revealed Jesus in a new way. He used their awareness of scripture to bring about new revelation to Jesus. He found, please don't miss this, common ground with their thinking and help them see a new revelation of who the Messiah was and is. I try to do this often in my own life, especially while preaching the messages and doing the different things. I, I want to use normal examples of life that we understand to help you understand Jesus better. I, 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 I want to work really hard at help illuminating scriptures through the spirit of truth in me and in you. And I want to use normal common language to help you get there. I love that Peter just expounded on the scriptures and he did it faithfully. He didn't hijack the scriptures. He didn't take them out of context to get really technical. He actually exegeted each of these passages and added some commentary in a beautiful way. It's a master class on how to interpret scripture correctly. He didn't eisegete it. In other words, he didn't read into the text what he wanted it to say. He lifted what was being said in the text and through the lens of who Jesus is and it impacted their lives. 
He did it in a faithful way. He used the whole of Scripture, the Old Testament, which was their Scriptures. So many of us don't like reading the Old Testament because we don't have a clear picture of who Jesus is. But when you understand who Jesus is and you start reading some of the Old Testament and you're reading it in light of who Jesus is, it makes way more sense. Why? Because the whole of the Bible is one unified story pointing to Jesus. It's telling the story of God's character and his life in a way that helps you see the redemption of God and the renewal of all things that is coming on its way. And you begin to see the thread of these things. And Peter did it in a beautiful, beautiful way as he told the story of Jesus. Here, here's what I know of, of, of pretty much all of you, and I, I have good confidence. You all like to tell stories. Tell stories about when your kids were little. Tell stories about your grandkids right now. You tell stories about the fish that, that you catch, and most of those aren't true. It was this big. You tell stories all the time. When you get to know the story of Jesus, you can tell his story too. That's what it means to be a gospeling people. To know the story of Jesus and tell it to others. Listen, friends, the gospel is an announcement of an event that is good for all people. Jesus has been raised from the dead and he is enthroned on high. There is no power on earth, seen or unseen, that can supersede his power. He is the name above every name. And at that name, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Jesus is the one who has been raised from the dead and he is enthroned. This is what Peter did the gospel is good news. Good news. In other words, it has to be a telling of a significant story or an event to be newsworthy. And it has to be impactful for all people for it to be good for all. The gospel, hear me. I'm going to get really nuanced for a minute. And if you're a fundamentalist, it's going to really mess with you. The gospel is not, hear me, a set of theological facts that you recite correctly. And if you do, you get the transactional prize of going to heaven one day when you die. The gospel, if you want to know what it's all about, go listen to the last 52 messages called the King Jesus Gospel. The gospel is not a social justice, love everyone and do something sacrificial in a humanitarian way. That's not the gospel. The gospel is not health and wealth and everything will be perfect in your life if you have faith and say the right phrases all the time. The gospel is not you can go to heaven when you die. The gospel is not you are worthless and God's wrath is coming and if you just believe in Jesus, you can receive the free gift of salvation being justified. Those are all really great theological truths. And I would agree with them. Most of them. Listen. It's just not the gospel Jesus proclaimed. 
They're truths in Scripture, yes. But that's not, by definition, the gospel. Now, I'm, I'm not one of those guys that, like, when people say the gospel is this, then I'm showing up in the Facebook chat to, like, deconstruct and, like, prove them wrong. Like, no, just, it's fine. I'm not here to be the gospel police for people, trying to identify false gospels and every person who's trying to help point people to Jesus. Please, point more people to Jesus. Just do it with a little bit of grace and love and hopefully some biblical truth in there. Listen, listen, listen. The gospel is good news. The gospel isn't good news of salvation. That's not what the scripture says. The scripture specifically says the gospel is the good news unto salvation. It's the gospel is good news toward salvation. In other words, the good news isn't a transaction because of a prayer. Because salvation is so much bigger than a moment. Salvation is the wholeness of God produced in and through the work of the Spirit in your life on an ongoing basis until Jesus returns. Are there decisions and moments of surrender and times when we receive the righteousness of God? Yeah, yeah, all those, those, theolog- those are true statements. But the gospel is bigger than that. It's, it's a story. Friends, we said at the top of our service, the gospel Oh, it is the good news that God, our Father, the Creator, out of His great love for us has come to rescue us from sin and Satan and death and hell and to renew all things in and through the work of Jesus Christ on our behalf to establish His kingdom through His people who participate in loyal allegiance in the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's for God's great glory and our profound joy That's the story of Jesus. That's the story of the Bible in some simple sentences. The good news is the fulfillment of all that God has said and is and will be. The gospel is not about what you receive from God. The gospel is about Jesus. It's not even about what he does for us. That turns us into consumers of Jesus rather than committed followers of Jesus. Hear me, there are a lot of great benefits to following Jesus. Forgiveness, eternal life, knowing God, wholeness. That's why Peter He talked about some of the impact, but the primary part of his storytelling was letting them know who Jesus is, who he was, and oh, how he will be forever. It was about Jesus. The gospel is good news about the story of Jesus. That's why we want to get to know Jesus. This is why we follow and we give our allegiance to Jesus alone. This is why we sing songs that help us focus on Jesus. Peter's entire summary of the gospel was simply this. Jesus is both Lord 
and Messiah. That's what you need to know about the gospel. It's about Jesus. He is Lord and he's Messiah. It's not some transactional set of benefits. It's part of the truths of the scripture, yes. But the primary focus of the gospel is about Jesus being Lord and Messiah. Lord means you have to submit to him because you're not Lord. Messiah means he has the anointing and the power to set you free and to make us whole. It's the result of who he is, but it still starts with the focus of who he is. The order, Lord and Messiah, I really think it is important. See, because it's when you revere him as Lord and you acknowledge him as your Lord and you choose to follow him as Lord and you give him allegiance as Lord, then you begin to see his saving work as Messiah occur, making you whole as you live in relationship with him and receive the gift of the Spirit. And the proper response to hearing the story of Jesus is always the same. Repent toward God. Get water baptized. Pledging your allegiance publicly and receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit who is grace personified in the Trinity. The person of the Spirit. In Acts 2, 39. And this promise of the Spirit, of the saving work of the rule and reign of Jesus as Lord and Messiah, this promise is for you, for your children, and for those who are all far away in times and seasons and worlds to come, lives to come. All who have been called by the Lord, our God. Yeah, see, Pastor, it's only for those who are called by God. Not everybody's called by God. Maybe I'm not one of the chosen ones. I, I would ask you to reconsider that phrase. Be, because Joel already prophesied, and through Scripture we see, all who call on the name of the Lord can be saved. So, so when it comes to who's been chosen, those that God is calling, who is it God is calling? All those who are you, your children, and all those far away. He's clarifying who he's talking about. All those who are being called by the Lord. All of them, you, your children, your children's children, your children's 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 children, for generation to generation, every tribe, tongue, language, tongue, people, group, social and economic reality, all y'all are the ones he's calling. And all who call in repentance and baptism and receiving the Spirit, oh, they get to be a part of the kingdom of God. That's really good news. Would you stand with me? Would you just close your eyes and would you just begin to think about Jesus for a minute? Begin to recall how he is the creator of all. How of his great love for us, he came to rescue you and rescue me. Out of his power and authority, he's ruling and reigning and renewing all things. And 
He's establishing his kingdom in this world. And he wants to establish it through us, his loyal participants, us who receive the spirit, us who want to be emboldened by the spirit and live out a faithful witness to the person of Jesus in our world. Not trying to win arguments, not trying to convince people of their sinfulness and get them. Try to prove everybody wrong. But rather just represent Jesus correctly and know the story of God. Jesus, we focus on you today. Lord, we want to receive of your spirit. Lord, many in this room know they need to repent and turn towards you because they've been living as their own Lord. Lord, many in this room need to take the next step and get water baptized and sign up and go public with their allegiance in you, knowing that in that process they are committing and beginning to receive the work of your salvation ongoingly in their life. We're not getting baptized because we've got it perfect. We've got it baptized because we perfectly see Jesus correctly. And we're willing to see him as Lord in our lives. And Lord, would you give us your spirit without measure? Lord, give it to us fresh every day. We just simply say, come, Holy Spirit, come. And enliven the work of the Spirit in us today. Lord, would you bring to our mind right now people who need this message, who need to hear the story of Jesus, that we pray for their salvation. We pray that you would work in their hearts. You would pray, Lord, we pray, Lord, that you would stir in them something that you would give us opportunities to step into conversations to represent your story well. And Lord, you would help us be a gospeling people that tell the gospel story of Jesus well and with boldness and courage. And where we don't have the words to say, Holy Spirit, would you give us those words to say and bring them to our mind? And we thank you for it. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we pray. And the people of God said, amen. Hey, let's speak blessing over one another. Can we do this? This is our practice. Speak it nice and strong over one another. Ready? Let's read it together. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen. I really hope today's message was life-giving. As a church, we want to help you encounter God and take another next step in your allegiance to Jesus. I want to ask you to take a step right now, in fact. Would you just share this message with a friend? Maybe post it on your social, text a coworker the link. Just be sure to include something that you learned or how it impacted you personally. When you do that, you get to be a part of seeing faith come to life in someone else. And don't forget to visit our central hub faithchurchks.org. You'll find other next steps that you can take in your faith, including giving and partnership with us as we help others encounter Jesus like you've encountered him. Hey, we love you. And until we get to hang out again, remember, don't shrink back from your faithful allegiance to King Jesus.